Welcome to our new podcast series called FX Rules Changes in 2023. I'm Mike Cahill, Head of Video and Podcast Content Production for Sales Enablement at the London Stock Exchange Group. In this series, we'll be talking with Chris Leonard Appleton. Chris is Head of FX Risk and Regulation. In this first episode, we set the scene by discussing global regulatory developments in FX. So to, to get started, you know, what new regulations can we expect to see in 2023 going into 2024? Hey, Mike, and pleasure to be with you here today. Um, so I think 2023, 2024, we can expect a pretty busy year. Um, and we sort of take this geographically for a minute. So if we look at the sort of probably the, the to the key jurisdictions so the United Kingdom and the, and the European Union, um, there's a lot of Brexit-led initiatives that are occurring. So in the UK, we've got the expiry of the temporary permission regime, um, which yeah, we, we're having to do a lot of work here in LSEG. Um, we've got the uh, the revocation of the EU law bill that's going through Parliament at the moment. And uh, we've also got the UK Financial Services and Markets Act that's going through Parliament at the moment as well. So both of those are really driven by uh, the after effects of Brexit. Um, across the channel in the European Union, we've got uh, a MIFID review going on. Uh, so those of us who lived through MIFID 2, some of us even remember MIFID 1 back in 2007, but we all have scars from MIFID 2. Um, yeah, there's a lot of initiatives that are underway at the moment with that. Um, we also have a lot of work around the operational resilience programme. So the Digital and Operational Resilience Act, we're expecting to do a lot of work, certainly in 2024 for that. And then if we look at Asia, which is you know, increasingly becoming important, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on over there as well. So Indonesia just recently passed a new law uh, last September that we had to react to. And in China, uh, there's a new securities law that has just come into effect that, you know, frankly speaking, we're still determining what we need to do with that. Um, so, yeah, 2023, 2024, you know, busy year or busy couple of years, I suspect. Is there any overriding theme to all these changes, Chris? So, you know, what what the goal of regulators is or is it does it vary per country, per region, what each country or group of countries is trying to accomplish? Well, I think the, the regulatory objectives are normally quite clear, right? I think regulators worried about increasing or decreasing conduct risk, increasing conduct regulation in their jurisdictions and their they're also wanting to mimic market structural reforms that are occurring in other jurisdictions. I think the, the the general themes that I would bundle are really the effects of those. So what we're seeing at the moment is increasing localization, um, which is a real struggle, frankly, for a global market like FX. Um, you know, I think some examples of that really are the are the EU and the UK. So we've seen a severance of those two key jurisdictions. We're having to really double up all of the regulatory infrastructure that we put into both jurisdictions at the moment. Um, we're seeing a lot of localization rules in Asia. So India, Indonesia, Malaysia, to a lesser degree, Thailand, are all jurisdictions where we've really had to go onshore in recent years. And yeah, that just really doubles up the amount of work that we have to do in what is quite a, a vast and increasingly important uh, area of the globe. Um, I think the other theme that we've seen are really around the prudential rules. So these are rules that affect banks, uh, capital requirements, but also things like uncleared margining rules. Uh, the last tranche of rules actually went live last September. Um, and what we're seeing is really the continuing after effects on the financial crisis. You know, dare I say it, even 
all these years later, we're still seeing all of those reforms coming through, and certainly the final stage of that. Um, and that's having some really material effects, which I think we'll go into in a later episode on you know, banks trading workflows and you know, what it means for the FX more, uh, markets more generally. Conversely, market structural rules seem to be getting more appropriate. You know, if we look at what's coming through with MIFID, um, we seem to be seeing a lot more pragmatism emerging with things like pre-trade transparency requirements and non-equities, um, some of the proposals to remove requirements for execution quality reporting by venues. Yeah, I think a lot of those developments are really quite promising. So I'd, I'd sort of conclude by saying there's, there's probably three general themes and all of them are quite, quite a mixed bag, really. Any uh, direct impact on actual trading and FX by these rules changes that are coming? Yeah, absolutely. So I think certainly the local localization rules are causing a degree of balkanization and liquidity uh, globally. So the minute you have to onshore in a different jurisdiction, you then have to go through the process of figuring out who or who cannot trade on each of those different venues. That naturally leads to fragmentation. And obviously that has a ripple effect ultimately through to end users, finance costs, funding costs, and cost of capital. I think obviously in the prudential space where we've had, you know, particularly things like SACAS, uh, which has sort of been implemented in, you know, staggered ways globally, um, you know, we've seen a lot of big uh, market makers, particularly in, in the forward space, really pull back from certain liquidity prof- profiles in those instruments because the capital costs are becoming quite prohibitive for them. So, you know, anecdotally, we're hearing about drops in liquidity as a result of that. And certainly we are seeing some market makers pulling back and reducing the amount that they trade and uh, provide liquidity to the buy side uh, for on that. So, yeah, I think I think when you start to fragment liquidity and then you start to reduce liquidity, which respectively the localization rules and the prudential rules are, are achieving, then obviously that has a real effect on, you know, First of all, the liquidity that the buy side can get hold of, um, and also on workflow as well, with you know, maybe things like clearing uh, coming onto the agenda in a big way. Are, are you seeing banks respond already to some of these changes or proposed changes that are in the pipeline? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as I say, I, I, we've seen several large market makers pull back in certain asset classes you know, really in the last few months. So yeah, we're already seeing a, a material effect. Um, as a result of these rule changes. Now, we've got some uh, regulatory authorities who are publishing papers on the definition of a trading venue. Now, wh- how does that impact you know, technology vendors in the FX markets, Chris? Yeah, so if we look at what's being published, so the CFTC was really first out the gates with their paper uh, 2119. Uh, they've got exciting names for their papers. Um, that was over a year ago now. ESMA have just published their final opinion actually in the last week or so, and we, we anticipate that the FCA in the UK will follow suit quite quickly. The net effect of this really is to ensure that technology vendors that, if I can put it this way, look and feel like trading venues should be appropriately regulated as such. For example, the FX business at London Stock Exchange, we operate an MTF in, in Ireland. We, we will shortly have one in the UK. We have a CEF in the United States. We have an RMO in Singapore, in ETP. You know, we've got venues all over the place globally. There's a lot of vendors who operate business models that are potentially similar to ours, who on the face of it don't seem to have the same sort of regulatory status as us. Um, so we're, we're very supportive of you know, the opinions that have been uh, 
promulgated by these authorities. I think there are some risks, though. Um, so, you know, we're, we're supportive, we're not fully supportive. And I think, you know, there's, there's probably two key risks that I would call out. The first is the FX market is vast, diverse and global. And as a result of that, we've had a lot of different trading paradigms that have emerged over the years to really make the markets more efficient. And this is particularly pertinent to emerging markets. You know, if you look at UK banks or EU banks or US banks who want to trade with um, emerging market banks, uh, particularly in local currencies, there are certain trading protocols that have emerged to make trading in those jurisdictions far more efficient than picking up the phone. It's not clear that the the opinions should apply in full to those trading protocols. So I think what will be necessary is a very, very thoughtful case-by-case assessment of each product by regulatory authorities in those jurisdictions to assess whether the opinions should apply or not. So I think that's the first point. We, we just need to be wary of unintended consequences uh, with the application of these papers. I think the second set of risks are we are seeing slight divergences occurring between the different opinions. Um, so I think in general, ESMA, the CFTC and the FCA have attempted to align, um, but the devil's always in the detail, if I can use a cliche. And I think the risk of that is you see regulatory jurisdictional arbitrage occur between those jurisdictions. So I think what I would urge, they would listen to me, but what I'd urge those authorities to do is try to converge on the most pragmatic set of opinions, which I know will take time. You know, authorities have already issued their papers. They're not going to change them hurriedly now. But as as time goes by, I, I think convergence rather than divergence, particularly in a global market like FX, would be uh, preferable. So one final question for this episode, Chris, and it concerns uh, what are we seeing in terms of cross-border trading and uh, and how that's being affected, in, in particular for FX in, in general? Yeah, well, I've sort of touched on this. I mean, we're, we're seeing localization occurring in a global market, right? And I think it's quite idiosyncratic to FX. FX is an inherently global market. If you trade euro dollar, you're, you're immediately touching two of the major jurisdictions in the EU and the US. You can't get away from the fact that um, FX is a, is a cross-border global market in the, in the way that transferable securities, equities, fixed income, and even rates and credit isn't. You can, you can draw um, you know, sovereign borders around those markets a bit more effectively than you can with FX. So you know, the upshot of localization is that we will see liquidity fragmentation in a global market. That's just something that we're having to deal with at the moment. You know, the, the fact of the matter is we need more deference by regulatory authorities to home state regulators. And you know, this is an argument that was made during Brexit. It's an argument that we'll continue to make. And I think a lot of jurisdictions such as the US, Switzerland, the Canadian provinces actually do this pretty well. But unfortunately, jurisdictions like the, the UK, the EU and others are probably doing it less well. So really, I, I know that we're probably drilling into the cross-border details of what I'm, what I'm alluding to here. This is sort of macro picture. But the trend to localization is problematic. It's something that we spend an awful lot of time thinking about here at LSEG. And you know, a lot of the developments that we're going to be doing over the next couple of years are really geared to responding to those developments. Our thanks to Chris Leonard Appleton, head of FX Risk and Regulation at the London Stock Exchange Group. I'm Mike Cahill, and thank you all for listening.